We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word, and I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans and the 15th chapter. The book of Romans and the 15th chapter this morning. And I will be reading and then preaching on verses 1 through 7. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7 this morning. I encourage you to read along silently as I read aloud. Here beginning in Romans chapter 15 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your kindness to us today, for bringing us here in your providence to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we would ask this morning for the work and the help of the Holy Spirit, that he would be our guide, our teacher, our instructor today, that he would open our eyes to the truth of your word, that he would grant us an understanding of it and help us to apply it individually and collectively as a congregation to your glory. So now we commit this time to you and ask you to lead us, for we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Brethren, the privilege of living and ministering within the body of Christ carries with it some serious obligations. For as we considered last week, the church is the chosen bride of Jesus Christ, and he takes the care of his church very seriously. In fact, what Christ has called us as his disciples to do for the sake of one another is one of the most solemn responsibilities we will ever have during our life together as a church. And he's entrusted the Spirit of God to enable us and empower us to fulfill these responsibilities faithfully. And yet, while we have the assurance of the Spirit's presence and assistance, we still have the responsibility ourselves to yield to his leadership, to obey the commands of God as he applies them to our lives and our circumstances as a church. And one circumstance that we will face as a church is the need to care for those who are weak. The need to care for those who are weak or those who require compassion and patience because of their failings and because of their inability to discern things maturely. 
For God has graciously and providentially placed the weak within our churches for their good and for our good as well, not just for the weak, but for the strong, so that both groups can benefit from the interactions that transpire between them. For as the weak and the strong interact with one another under the influence of the Spirit, growth actually occurs. And what was once a source of conflict between them can be resolved for the glory of Christ and for the edification of Christ's church. And so when the church comes together in worship and comes together in fellowship, there should be an effort within the body to ensure that the weak and the strong reach out to one another. To ensure that the weak and the strong don't push one another away or avoid one another, but that they see and fully appreciate the pressing need to minister to one another and to live in harmony together. In fact, here in our sermon text this morning, the Apostle Paul continues to plead for healthy interactions between the spiritually weak and the spiritually strong. Because Paul knew that without a sincere effort to maintain these kind of interactions, the church in Rome could falter. And therefore, to ensure that everyone understood what their primary spiritual obligations to one another were, Paul specifies what these obligations are here in verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 15. For notice what Paul writes here in these two verses. For Paul writes here, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please our neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, I want us to notice that Paul begins here by addressing first those who are strong. Those who are strong. Those who possess the discernment to see beyond themselves. That's what characterizes the strong. They can look beyond themselves and their own needs. Those who possess the spiritual maturity to see their own need for humility. And no doubt Paul begins here with the discerning and the mature within the church because with these gifts from God come greater responsibility. Yes, I said it. Those who are strong have a greater responsibility. And what were they responsible for? Well, clearly, the fact that Paul addresses them first here implies that they, the strong, the discerning, and the mature, were actually responsible for initiating contact with those who were weak, rather than waiting for the weak to respond first. Because if the strong waited before reaching out to the weak, it's unlikely that any progress would be made. For the weak often lack the confidence that is needed to seek help. The weak often lack the confidence that is needed to seek the assistance that they need. But when the strong, the mature, the discerning reach out first, and they reach out with the right spirit, a spirit of meekness and humility, seeking to be a blessing to those who struggle, real progress, real spiritual growth can occur. 
In fact, Paul instructed those who are spiritually strong within the churches of Galatia to minister to the weak in this same way, knowing that if they took the initiative to do so, some of the weaker brethren in the churches could be strengthened, and those who had sinned and stumbled spiritually could be restored. For example, consider what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let me read these verses for you. Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, which, by the way, would be evidence of spiritual weakness on their part, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are spirit-led, you who are strong, you who are discerning, should restore him. And why? Because it is the responsibility of the strong to minister to the weak. And how are they to minister? In the spirit of gentleness, Paul goes on to say in those verses, which is evidence of their spiritual maturity, evidence of their discernment. And the strong are also exhorted here to keep watch on themselves, lest they also be tempted. And what should be the goal as they minister? Well, in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 6, Paul wrote that they were to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so Paul's instructions to the strong in the book of Galatians chapter 6 in verses 1 and 2 was to show the initiative and to restore those who through weakness had been caught away. And here in Romans chapter 15, Paul is appealing to this same duty of bearing with the weak so that we can minister to them. For if we who are strong, and we are only strong by the grace of God working in us, have an obligation, it is this obligation to bear with the weak. And in particular, the text says to bear with their failings. To bear with their failings, which requires empathy and true patience. Of course, the question that I have for us who are strong this morning is, do we have this empathy? And do we have this patience. Not only are the strong motivated by their empathy and their patience towards these weaker members of the body, but they also are careful to place the needs of the weak before their own. Going back here to Romans 15 in verse 1, Paul writes here that those who are truly strong are not living simply to please themselves, but Christ and others. In fact, this is often what separates the weak from the strong. Where the spiritually weak can be so caught up, can be so preoccupied with their own struggles and insecurities that they can't see beyond themselves. But those who are strong, those who are confident in the grace of God that is at work in them, are able to set self aside and to be committed to building others up instead. And yet, let us notice here in verse 2, that Paul urges all believers, notice this, all believers, both the weak and the strong, 
to break out of their own old patterns where the weak avoided the strong and the strong overlooked the weak and to mutually and equally seek the good and the growth of one another. For the church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where there are no preferences being given to the weak and there are no preferences being given to the strong. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a place where everyone is devoted to the task of building up the other so that we can all continue growing together in maturity. For it is only when we no longer give preference to pleasing ourselves and give priority to others that growth occurs. But I ask you this morning, brother, and is this easy to do? Is this easy to do, to put our own self-interests aside and to please others first? No, it isn't easy to do, and especially since we have so few good examples to follow among sinful men and women. And yet, Paul, with wisdom from above, points us here in our text to the perfect and supreme example of one who ministered to the weak and to the strong without any hindrance from a pursuit of what pleased him alone. And that example is the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul writes here in verse 3 of Romans chapter 15, For Christ did not please himself, but he ministered to others, to the weak, rather than pursue his own good. And needless to say, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to understand how Jesus found the Word of God to be a source of endurance for himself. For it was in his own knowledge of what was written of him in the Scriptures that Jesus in his humanity found the strength to endure. It was through his own knowledge of what Jesus read in the scriptures concerning himself that Jesus was able to persist in his ministry. And we too can grow in endurance by knowing and applying God's word. I fear the problem so often with us, with me, is that we do not endure in the word and spend time in the word and read the word and apply the word the way we should and so therefore, we don't come into contact with this source of encouragement like we should. But listen to what Paul is saying and let's heed his words. Then thirdly, Paul states here in verse 4 of Romans chapter 15 that, that you and I can benefit from what was written of old in Scripture and especially as it applies to Christ and his example because through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we find hope. Notice that. Hope. For the words of Scripture have a supernatural ability to create hope within us. Are we lacking hope? Then let's go to the Scriptures. Do we need an increased hope? Then let's go to the Scriptures. They, they create hope within us, even under the most difficult of circumstances, because the encouragements of the Word of God are not rooted in our circumstances, but they're rooted in the promises that are found in Christ who reigns far above all of our circumstances. 
And if you and I will simply read, if you and I will simply meditate upon the encouragements that are found in Scripture that point to and concentrate on Christ, our hope will rise to a level that we could never produce in our own energy, that we could never produce in our own strength apart from the Spirit's work. So Paul begins this section by pointing us to Christ's example. He continues this section by exhorting us to seek the endurance and the encouragements found only in Scripture. And now lastly, Paul concludes this section in verses 5 through 7 of Romans 15 with a prayer and a plea. With a prayer and a plea. Paul writes here in these verses, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Endurance and encouragement. The God of endurance and encouragement. God deserves both of us because he not only demonstrates them in perfection towards us, but he also supplies them in abundance to his people. For if we as the people of God possess any encouragement this morning, and especially in our relationships with one another, it is God who gives it. He is the source. Needless to say, this helps us to remember where our attention should be focused as we seek to fulfill our obligations to one another. In fact, let me repeat that because it's important. This helps us to remember where our attention should be focused as we seek to fulfill our obligations to one another. For as we minister to one another, endeavoring to please our neighbor and not ourselves, we should not be looking to our neighbor as the source of our endurance and encouragement. Because other people will fail us, but we should be looking to God who will not fail us. We should be looking to God who is an endless supply of these graces and who never, ever wavers. Nor should we be looking within ourselves. We live in the culture where people always talk about looking inward finding your inner strength, finding your inner enlightenment. No, we are not to be looking within ourselves as though we possess some kind of hidden reservoir of these activities and these abilities that we can draw from. Because the truth is, we've said it here many times before, we have no ability in and of ourselves to do any good. We, we have no ability in and of ourselves to endure or to remain encouraged. And that applies to service as well. But we are to look to God always, not others, not to ourselves, but look to God who is the foundation and the fountain of these needed graces. Then not only does Paul address God as the one who alone supplies these graces, but he also asks God to grant these believers in Rome and this prayer from Paul would apply to us as believers as well, to grant these believers, to grant you and I 
the ability to exercise them as one united body, one united family as we gather and interact with one another. For Paul prays here in verse 5 that we may live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. And Brethren, this is a fascinating statement because I want us to notice that Paul asks for spiritual unity among these believers on, on two levels or, or two planes, so to speak. First, Paul asks God that they would know unity, oneness between them horizontally or in their relationships to one another. For as they reached out to one another side by side, there needed to be genuine harmony. But, but Paul doesn't stop there. Secondly, and more importantly, they needed to have true unity vertically as they submitted as one body under the headship of Jesus Christ. Because unity on a horizontal level could only be possible if it, if it existed on the vertical level first. We must have unity in accord with Christ before we can have unity in accord with, with one another. And what did the Apostle Paul request here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 15 as a demonstration of their spiritual unity and service to Christ and to one another? Well, Paul requests here that together they would be one voice, that they would have with one voice, they would glorify God the Father the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in what ways were they to be united in one voice? I think this is an interesting question to ask. In what ways were they to be united in one voice? Well, Paul doesn't mention just one way, but I think he's implying several ways. I think it's safe to assume that Paul wanted them to speak with one united voice in everything they did as a congregation. Everything that they did, whether it meant speaking with one voice in their prayers, and by the way, that's what we did in our corporate prayer this morning. We all spoke with one voice. Although Brother Roy was the one who delivered the corporate prayer, we all joined together with that prayer. With one voice, we prayed together. Or, as they confessed together the truths of Scripture, and we read a confession this morning together with one voice. We all read it in unison. And also, as they collectively said the amen, as God's word was preached within their hearing. For when we say amen collectively, and by the way, it's okay to say amen. It's okay to say amen. And to say it often and to say it together, we say, so be it. Let it be certain what God has declared. In, in all aspects of their worship and life together, their united voice was to be heard. Was to be heard. And it was to be heard doing what? Glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the one who made it possible. And so given that God was present among them,